get you to open your Bibles to the book of Colossians. And I want to kind of continue off of and tie in what I talked about this morning to tonight. And uh, how many believe that God had and has a Kairos moment for you? Amen. In your life that God is, is going to show you. And I believe that he spoke some things to you this morning. And I just want to kind of preach this message as a, as a follow-up to revival. And um, talk about being the unstoppable church. Amen. The unstoppable church. I, uh, as you know, played sports my whole life and still love sports. And that's one of the things you love to use as a word in sports is he's unstoppable. Amen. That person's unstoppable. And uh, I want us to be the unstoppable church. Amen. The church that nothing can hold back. Amen. That nothing can defeat. How many want to be that church tonight? Because we have an unstoppable God. Amen. An unstoppable Savior. And so God wants us to be a representation and be the unstoppable church. So we ended off this morning talking about how important it is to make those right choices at the Kairos moments. And then recognize that this is a Kairos moment. And I gave some biblical examples and I gave some examples of my own life. And I gave some examples of how this church wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for those Kairos moments. And you wouldn't be here If it wasn't for the first Kairos moment in your godly life, which is getting saved. Amen. Amen. So when you talk about salvation, uh, for those that weren't here this morning, you're saying, what in the world is a Kairos moment? It's uh, the destined time where God stops time and the focal point of his power and light comes on you. And he gives you an opportunity to, to tie the entire future of your life up in a decision. And you seize it and you say yes and you agree and you walk in it and you go in it. And God begins to do amazing things in that, from that Kairos moment. But you have to make the right decision. And so one example this morning that was not the right decision, we went over many that were, was when Adam and Eve decided to eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of, of good and evil. And that was a Kairos moment that had our entire future tied up in it. And they made the bad choice. Amen. So we want to make the right one. But you had a Kairos moment when the opportunity to accept Jesus was placed before you. And you decided, that's why you're here tonight, you decided to say yes to Jesus. And that started an entire destiny of your life from going from the road of destruction to the road of salvation. And uh, we, as you talk about that, we become, now that I'm saved, I become the church. Now that I'm saved, I'm not just me any longer. I'm not just doing what I do. I am the church now. I am part of the body of Christ, and I am a member of the kingdom of God. Amen? The kingdom of God. Not not just a church name, but the kingdom of God. And the king of all kings is my father. Amen? The king of all kings is my boss. He's my Lord. And now I'm part of a great entrepreneurship that is the greatest in the world, amen, that changes lives and it becomes a soul-winning agency for God. So now as we look at where we're at in the prophetic calendar today, we realize that we're, we're in a Kairos moment in time now as the church. That, that this moment now has never been before and every decision we make getting close to the return of Christ is so vital. You know, we talked a few weeks about, ago about how vital church was coming and being in service and listening to the word of God and getting a word from God. Amen. And so as we go over this and we talk about this and we think about this, uh, I want you to think about Colossians chapter one, 
verse 13 and 14, which says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now I'm going to read that again in a second, but I want you to understand, being the miracle of salvation, listen to this, is not just being saved and going to heaven. The miracle of salvation is not just being saved and going to heaven. Watch this. It is a matter of being transferred from one kingdom to another. From one kingdom to another. Before, the Bible says, when you did not know Jesus, you were part of the kingdom of darkness. And your destination was eternal life without God. Amen. And now you are part of the kingdom of God and your eternal destination is heaven. Can you say amen? Amen. Now it's with God and His peace and His love and His joy. And so you've transferred, not like, like you know, if you were adopted... You would be transferred from one family to another. You've been transferred from one kingdom to another. And it says in Colossians, let me read it again. He's delivered us, what? From the power of darkness. So we shouldn't walk in that darkness anymore. Amen. Amen. And conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Conveyed means carried to us to. He, we can't get ourselves there. Okay? You ever seen a conveyor belt? That thing moves on its own. That stuff's carrying those products. Amen. We can't get there on our own. God carried us. As He carried that cross, He carried us, amen, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. That the, there's an old, old saying and, and picture that people would give of a humongous, uh, I, I can only think of the word in Spanish, guindo, um, valley, uh, not even a valley, it's not a valley, come on baby, help me. Uh, gulf, not a gulf. Uh, no, big hole, big gorge. That'll work. Gorge, that's good. A huge gorge that cannot be jumped over or walked down and up. And that was the separation between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness, between our lives in sin and between God. And we know that Jesus, through the cross, carried us across that gorge, amen, from darkness into the light. Can you say amen? That's what Jesus did when he died for us and says, he says he's the... He's the king that uh, he brought us into the kingdom and is the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins. That baptism tonight, symbolic of the blood, Amen. symbolic of the forgiveness of sins. Amen. And we need to remember that he is the king of all. Amen. And so Colossians 1.20, that same chapter right there, a few verses later says, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. By Him, whether things on earth, things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. And you, watch this, were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now He has reconciled in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in His sight amen that's powerful amen it's not just a decision and so now we step into where reminding ourselves of where we are now in this moment in history that i believe that this is going to be and pastor mentioned this the greatest move of god we've ever seen yes things are as worse as they've ever been 
But I'll never forget a verse I learned when I first got saved that says where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Amen. And there's where there's a a move of the enemy. There's a greater move of God where there's fear in in the world. There's a greater presence of God and a greater peace of God. How many know the, the more fearful it is and the more ugly it is, the more grace and glory and power of Jesus shine. Amen. And so tonight we know that we can be a part of the church that's going to be the greatest last move of God that this world has ever seen. Amen. The church is destined to be the culture's influence. How many know we're destined to be the influence of Denton, Texas tonight? Amen. We're destined to be that influence in this city. We're destined to make a difference. We're destined to have people saying, man, there's something different about those people over at VWO. What's going on? Who are they? What are they about? We're destined to be an example. Now look at Matthew 16, if you would. Verse 13. And I want to just get in quickly to a few things you can write down tonight. I'm not going to keep you long. I know we're coming off of revival. And, but I want, to, I want to give you this tonight. And I want to challenge you for us to be the unstoppable church. Amen. I don't want to just be unstoppable for a week or two. I want to stay unstoppable. How many know we can be undefeated? Amen. We don't have to be defeated. We can be undefeated because we serve a God that cannot lose. So as long as we stay in Him, we'll, we'll win. Amen. The unstoppable church. As you're getting there to Matthew 16, I want to remind you that from tomorrow, Monday, in one week, will be conference beginning in Colorado. And I sent out a text the other day, and thank you for your responses. If you haven't yet, let me know that you're going. Um, we've got a big group. I know we have probably, I've, I've counted already, at least 25 adults, not counting kids, at least 25 adults are going to conference, which is awesome. And uh, if you're not able to go this time, we, we pray for you to, to figure out what it is, find out what it is. And someone was just, Tish was just telling me before church, she wants to go next time. Amen. And so we got a lot of people going for the first time, um, but we need prayer. And uh, we'll be having our regular services while we're gone, and Pastor Andrews will be taking care of the services. But we're going to have a, a prayer, time of prayer this week as a fellowship. Not just Denton, Texas, but worldwide. How I many know that's powerful? And so all over the world, Africa, Mexico, Costa Rica, Czech Republic, Russia, States, Canada, Cuba, all the countries we have churches, tomorrow, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we're going to be doing praying and fasting. Now, you know, I don't ever ask you to tell me how much you're going to fast or when you're going to fast, but over the next three days, how many will fast at least one meal? Amen. Amen. You can fast as much or little as you want, but if you would just at least, as a bare minimum, fast once the next three days, if you can fast every day, that would be great. But as a church, we're going to fast. And as a fellowship, we're going to fast. And then on Tuesday night at 7, I know we're just coming off revival. I know some can, can't make it, but Pastor Paul has asked that as a fellowship, we have prayer meeting this Tuesday night. Every church in the whole fellowship is going to be gathering this Tuesday at 7 o'clock. Every church. Amen. All around the world. Now, obviously, there'll be different time zones, but it'll be the same time as us just different for them. And so uh, this Tuesday at 7 o'clock, for those that can make it, um, we'll we'll have a prayer meeting, and we're just going to pray specifically for conference and specifically for what God is going to do. Amen? Matthew 16 says this, verse 13. Let me make sure I get there real quick. I was in the wrong chapter. Matthew 16, 13. Jesus came into the region 
of Caesarea, Philippi, and he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, and some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But he said, and this is the question God's always asking us, Who do you say that I am? Amen? Who do you say that I am? If we're going to be the unstoppable church, every one of us individually has to hold down our part. Amen. Amen. A chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And so the weakest relationship of God in this house is going to determine how unstoppable our church is. Amen. Now that can be scary or that can be exciting. But who, we don't know who it is. We don't know what, 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 what that, or who they are. There might be several that would be considered the weakest link on their relationship with Jesus. But I say we could all stand up tonight and we could say in our faith and boldness that I say Jesus is the Son of the living God. Amen. He is the Messiah. He's the, he's the Holy One. He's my Savior. He's, the, he's, he's everything to me, amen. He's my salvation. He's my joy. He's my peace, amen. And once you get that understanding and that revelation of who he is, then it makes the church strong. When everybody in the church is talking the same way, not like a cult, but like a team. Everybody's talking the same way and everybody is doing the same thing and everybody's on the same page and don't think it can't happen because it did in the book of Acts. Said so they were all in one accord, in one mind, and in one spirit. And they were doing the same thing. And the day of Pentecost came and poured out His Spirit upon them. And they started a great church. And they were an unstoppable church. And I believe that we can be the unstoppable church tonight. Then He goes on to say, But who do you say that I am? And Peter says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you, watch this, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Hallelujah. How many know that there is a church tonight? that God has established that cannot lose. It is the unstoppable church. Praise God. Amen. And so we can be that tonight. When you start thinking about, and this is a big question today in our world, is you think, what is, the, what, is the, what makes up a good church? The uns, what makes an unstoppable church? If you went around the Metroplex and around the world, you'd get a lot of answers. Amen. And someone wouldn't be very spiritual. Well, I got quiet. Amen. Someone would be, well, we got a great coffee bar. We got the best coffee in the city. We have a great kids program. We have a beautiful building. Man, we've got, we've got an awesome playground outside of our church. Amen. We've got the most beautiful carpet of any church in the whole city. Amen. We've got a humongous building. How many know if you went around, you start getting a lot of different answers of what a, of what a great church is. And all those answers have nothing to do with what makes a church unstoppable. The devil's not afraid of a playground or a big building or a good carpet or anything like that. He's afraid of a church of people who know who Jesus Christ is on a personal level. 
and are not afraid of the devil and know how to use the power that Jesus has given them in their lives. Back in the day, way back in the day, there was those big old cathedrals that people still visit today. Amen. People go see those cathedrals and they check them out and they're still hundreds and hundreds of years old. And, and back in the day, a, a, a church, an unstoppable church in the, in the physical realm had those stained glass windows. Amen. That just made it amazing. Or you could say, well, we've got 15,000 people in our church. We're an unstoppable church. Right? Someone would begin to say that numbers would make an unstoppable church. Numbers are great. Numbers can be powerful. Amen. But the, listen to this. Young Yi Cho, who has the biggest church in the world, has over a million members. A million members. And believe it or not, he's actually doing it right. He preaches the gospel. And they pray a lot. He said, watch this. He said, as, as he recorded his one millionth member, he said he would have to say, numbers are not access, a, a, a sign of success, but a move of God is. Amen. Numbers are not a sign of success, but a move of God is. Amen. And so tonight, I want to just tell you as we come off this revival that I want us to understand that we have something very special right now. We really do. We have something happening in our church that is, that is rare. God is moving in a way that he doesn't, that he, not that he doesn't want to move, but he's not moving in a lot of places. Because of the things I just read, people have made church other things. And, and it's been more about the building and, and the programs and the numbers than it is about Jesus and about preaching the gospel and about reaching people and about telling people that he's alive and about helping people know that he can change their lives and that there's hope in him. Amen. And as we be that church tonight, we need to grasp and understand, you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm part of something special and I'm going to do my part to keep it going. So I want to read a couple more verses in Second Thessalonians, if you go there real quick. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close up 2 Thessalonians, and I want to read you something else, a few things you can write down that will help us be the unstoppable church and stay the unstoppable church. Amen? 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. How many know a spirit of unity is powerful? Okay? If we've got unity tonight, and we're preaching the gospel like we're supposed to preach it, and we're loving one another... There is nothing the devil can do to us. Okay? And so we have something tonight as a church. We're, we're, we're not perfect. Not, none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. We've all got areas in our lives that we're working on and trying to fix and trying to get better. But there's a spirit in our church that is God. There's a spirit in our church that's real. There's a spirit in our church that's hungry. There's a spirit in our church that's wanting to see God move and wanting to be the church that God has called us to be. Second, sec, uh, Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1, say amen if you're there. It says, to the church of the Thessalonians, and tonight we can put it in there, to the church of the Dentonians. In God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. Let me, let me say that again. As we're reading this, just act like Paul's talking to Denton. Hey, act like this letter's personal to Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. He says, to the church in Denton, Texas, Victory World Outreach, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, we are bound to thank God always for you. Brethren, as it is fitting, watch this, because your faith grows exceedingly. And the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. 
so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. How many like it when somebody talks good about you? Come on, be honest. There ain't nobody in here that doesn't like to have a pat on the back or hear someone talk good about you. Amen. And say, you know what? That was nice to hear. If they, especially if they weren't talking to you. Amen. It's a good thing to hear someone talk good about you. Now, it's really not, really not very fun to hear the contrary. Amen. Hear somebody talk bad about you. But when you hear somebody talking and your name gets mentioned maybe in a, in a conversation and you're overhearing and it's good, it's pleasing. Amen. And it's good to know tonight that people in our, in our fellowship and our head pastor and I believe people in this city are talking good about Victory World Outreach. Amen. Because we're trying to, to be this church that he's talking about here. But we're focusing, look at verse 3 again, we're focusing on that our faith continues to grow exceedingly. We're not happy tonight or, or satisfied tonight with what God has done. We're happily discontent because we want more. We're happy the eight people or nine people that got baptized today. But next week we want to baptize ten more. Amen. Amen. We're happy that we're growing. We're happy that we're, we're doing something for God. But we're happily discontent because he says here their faith grows exceedingly. Watch this. And the love of some of them. What does it say? Every one of them abounds toward each other. It means we genuinely love everyone. Okay? We genuinely love everyone. And one thing that's very important to understand about that in church is that doesn't mean you genuinely hang out with everyone. Because everybody's different. And some people get along better with other people and some people fellowship more with other people. But it doesn't mean as a church we can't have a genuine love for everybody. Amen. You can love everybody. I try to tell Desi at school, even if they're not your friends, even if they're not in your group, even if you don't know them, say hi to them, love on them, be friendly to them, be friendly to everybody. When I used to walk the streets of Costa Rica, one of the smartest things I did is everywhere I went, I waved at people. I never gave ugly faces to people and I'm going through those bad, dangerous areas and I'm waving to people and I'm saying hi to people and I'm saying, how you doing today? I'm making friends with everybody. Amen? You don't have to know them. You don't have to sit down and drink coffee with them, but you can love everybody and that love can abound in the church. Amen? And we can have a relationship that's bound in Jesus. That makes a church strong and powerful. And he says, so we, we boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and your faith in your persecutions and your tribulations that you endure. Verse 5, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. Remember, as I said this morning, church, this is not a, 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 just a church. We're part of the kingdom of God. Don't ever forget what we are a part of tonight. Amen. This is not a church. We are part of the kingdom of God. That is big and huge and powerful and wonderful and awesome. And it's a privilege. Amen. We're not doing this for a man or a woman or a group of people. We're doing this for the king. Amen. And we are representing him in our lives. So four things I want to leave with you tonight. You would write them down real quick. 
that makes us an unstoppable church. Number one, Jesus Christ is the center of it. He's the rock. Amen. Jesus Christ is the center of this church. An unstoppable church is a church that Jesus is Lord of. Amen. Not just because we have a huge Jesus sign outside, but Jesus is Lord. Jesus is first. Jesus is the most important. It's a Christ-centered church. Amen. Everything is about Him. Number two, we saw here, and we saw all these in these verses that I just read from verse 1 to verse 4. Number two is that we have a growing faith. If our faith continues to grow, if we continue to believe for miracles, if we continue to pray for the sick, if we continue to, to, to reach out to the lost, if we continue to do what we're supposed to do, our faith is going to continue to grow. How many know when you use something, it continues to grow? You use your muscles, your muscles will continue to grow. Amen? If you, if you stop, they're going to stop growing. But if we use our faith, our faith will continue to grow. So a church that is unstoppable is a church whose faith is not just being used, but growing. So individually, you ask yourself, is my faith more this year than it was last year? Is my faith higher this year, this six months, than it was six months ago? Am I more full of faith now in September than I was in January? That's a question we ask ourselves. And some of you are saying, I didn't have any faith back then. I wasn't saved yet. Well, then you'll know in January if your faith was better then than it is now. It's, a, it's an unstopping, a non-stop growing faith. Number three, real love. A church that is unstoppable has real love. Genuine love. Not perfect, but genuine Amen. And you, you and you alone personally can ask yourself, do I genuinely love people? And I believe if Jesus is the Lord of your life, you have to genuinely love people. And you, if you don't, you have to ask God to help you. Say, Lord, I, I need help loving people. Help me. And he'll do that. Okay, so to stay unstoppable, we keep this genuine love for one another. And if we have something against a brother or a sister or we have somebody we don't like or have somebody that doesn't like us, then we genuinely seek out the opportunity to make it right and get to a place where we can come into this house and worship God without wondering if somebody's mad at me or if I'm mad at somebody else. There were things they dealt with. These were things that Paul was looking at this church in Thessalonians and he was saying there's something different about this church. Now I said, I'm saying this as, as pastor, but I'm also saying this as, as, as someone who listens to pastors that come through our church, including the one we just had. You would not believe how highly the pastors that come through speak of this church. Amen. It's, it's amazing. And, and they say that, that your people are so special. Your people are so loving. Your people are so caring. Every time. I wish I had. I'm going to have to start trying to record it or something. I might get in trouble. I don't know. I wish I could let you hear what they say so you would know. But I'm telling you. Just like Paul was bragging and, and admonishing and exhorting the Thessalonians. He's saying, hey, there's a genuine love in this place. Now, sometimes we think, really? Well, so, you know, sometimes we focus on the little things. But I'm telling you, in general, there's a genuine love in this place. It's some, there's something real. And if we, don't, we might not, how many know sometimes you don't recognize it yourself? Because we're so caught up in it on a week-to-week basis. But when somebody comes from the outside, and that's another one of the great reasons we do revivals. 
Because someone can come from the outside and can say things that maybe I've been saying for six months. And all of a sudden they say the same thing and then you go, wow, did you hear that? Oh my goodness, that was a, oh, that was manna from heaven. Amen. And I do the same thing when I go preach revivals. I, I'll say a word and the pastor will tell me, I've been preaching that for four months and no one ever got saved. No one ever got healed. No one ever changed. Thank you for coming. Amen. It's kind of like when your parents tell you something over and over and over again and then somebody else tells you and they go, man, did you, you know, how many get what I'm saying? But somebody else comes in and says, hey, there is something real going on in your church. There's something special and I think Paul was recognizing that real love. And the last one is, the most important, outside of, of course, Christ being the sinner, is being a persevering, enduring church. Meaning that we're not going to be different in, next year. That we're going to persevere and we're going to continue to stay the course. I, I, I'm always amazed that the most powerful revelation from God is always the most simple. How many have noticed that? Sometimes we look for some, when we hear the word revelation, we're thinking of some deep thing that's like, whoa. And you need a like, calculator to figure it out. But some, really, the greatest revelations are very simple. And I keep thinking over and over again, as pastor told me himself, and then he told us as a church, and I heard him preach a message at his church before he came about what real revival is. Because when I, when, I, when I was talking to him and before he came even, and then when he got here, I was telling him how hungry I am for revival and how bad I want to see revival and how, how I just want to see a move of God. And I was just telling him this. And that's when he said, you're in revival. You're, wa- you're wanting to see it, but you're in it. And I, he made me understand that, that really revival is people getting saved. And then then when people get saved, they stay saved and they do something for God. That is revival. Amen. Getting saved, staying saved and doing something for God. Write that down. Getting saved, staying saved and doing something for God. So as a church, we're in revival, but you personally can be revived and be in revival. If you say I'm saved, I'm going to stay saved. And I'm going to do something for God. Amen. It's not that deep. So tonight I challenge you to go back and read these several verses that I read you. But as, as the musicians are coming and we have a little bit of time of prayer tonight, I want to read you one more verse in Psalms chapter 2. If you want to go there real quick with me while the musicians are coming. Psalms chapter 2. That as I said here at the end that we do something for God. I mean, no, we're selfish people. We want people to do stuff for us. Well, that, that stops when you get saved. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives within me. I've been bought with a price. I've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm a servant now. I'm a, I'm a slave to Jesus by choice. And I choose to live for the Lord and I choose to say, God, I want to do something for your kingdom. Amen. And I want to find a way that I can serve. And in Psalms chapter two, verse seven and eight, he says, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, this is a good word. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. I have begotten you. Meaning I have made you special. 
Okay? I have made you special. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. Some, some people have expressed to me in this place, and some might not have, that they've got a call to the mission field. I remember being saved and hearing those calls and knowing I was called. And I'd hear those, these verses and I'd sing those songs about, the, about this verse right here. Ask of me and I will give you the nations as an inheritance. And I used to think, God, I want to touch a nation. I want to I I I do amazing things for you. But here's what you need to realize. God will not take you to touch nations until you've touched your neighborhood. God will not take you to touch the world until you've touched your family. He always starts at home in Jerusalem. He always makes sure that you deal with the, with the thing right in front of you, the people right in front of you, the co-workers you work with, the people at school that you don't like and don't get along with that God keeps telling you to witness to and love on them. The people at work that rub you the wrong way. All those different things. That's who God wants to be your mission field first. And once you begin to major in that minor, God begins to open up the doors to go past that line into another line. Because remember that missionary and missions is just crossing cultural lines. You don't have to necessarily leave the country to be a missionary. We live in the melting pot of the world. And missions is here. Our church is a mission field. Our church is full of cultural lines. And people outside of this church tonight, all over Denton, are from all kinds of different nations. And tonight he's saying, I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Amen. All we have to do is ask. Remember that song, Dad? Ask of me and I'll give you the nations. Good song. Awesome song. So tonight, I challenge you to walk as the unstoppable church that we are tonight.